Uh, I apologize in advance for any Halloween puns I may make. I'll just be over here grumbling. <laughs> I expect no less. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 52 of the Switch Focus Podcast, or in this case, the Spook Focus Podcast. We just have Andrew Brown with me today. Spook Focus Podcast. Yes, I'm sorry. Hopefully the listeners enjoyed the Halloween-themed intro, courtesy of uh, our composer Craig. Uh, Good job on that, mate. Uh, It ties in nicely with this time of year and and the things we're going to talk about. Uh, Ginny is not with us, of course. She's currently enjoying uh, PAX Australia, uh, has just been on a panel which sort of advertised us a bit. Hello, new listeners. Uh, Sorry in advance. As we speak, Ginny is actually playing Smash Ultimate right now. Oh, jealousy. Jealousy is high. And she's already played Let's Go, which is something I want to play. Alas, another month to go on that one. Uh, so let's get right on with the show. Uh, a couple of updates from the previous episode. So we did a bit of a deep dive on Starlink last week. Uh, Andrew, I think you've since finished it. Mm-hmm. And you're a bit more negative on it than you were at the start. It's all from disappointment because I, I'm frustrated myself that I let myself get excited for an Ubisoft sandbox game when I know exactly what an Ubisoft sandbox game is. So I, I sat down to play this one, and I enjoyed it. Actually, the first day I played it, I was really into it. And then more and more of the Ubisoft started turning up. And then I found out that actually the deeper into the story you get, all the Ubisoft sandbox goals, they actually undo themselves. So this is literally an Ubisoft sandbox game that doesn't really end, (laughs) which maybe that's a draw to some people, but I just, I found it really repetitive. And actually the last night I was streaming it, somebody in my channel asked me a really interesting question was, yes, it's repetitive, but is it boring? And I would have to say I did get bored with it after a while because everything was so just rote and obvious and everything people accuse ubisoft sandbox games of being cut and pasted it's literally cut and pasted in this game it's the same buildings it's the same layouts it's the same enemy configurations almost everywhere you go even when you're in outer space the buildings that are just floating out there is like space wreckage same buildings that are on the planets Ooh, hadn't noticed that yeah it's I, I'm just, I let myself get excited for Starlink. It was my most anticipated game coming out in the fall season, and I just, I got it, and it, it turned out to be exactly what I should have expected it to be in hindsight. So I'm just, I'm a little, I'm frustrated with it, but it's over. I don't have to play it anymore. So moving on. Do you think part of your frustration with it came with the Star Fox thing, and maybe that had painted a picture of it that was never going to be the reality or 
Yeah, because I really wasn't interested in this game at all until Star Fox was added into it. I was like, oh, a Toys to Life game? Pass. But yeah, I, I, I started paying attention to it and getting excited for it when they added Star Fox into it. I don't know what that says about me, but I'm trying to think of the words I want to use here so I'm not sounding angry at a developer and screaming at them but uh because I'm frustrated with myself but I, I do feel kind of bamboozled and you know that's what an advertising campaign is supposed to do it's supposed to obscure what a game is like Breath of the Wild is still my favorite game of all time but its advertising campaign was very misleading but I, I don't resent that at all so I'm just frustrated with myself for letting myself be misled into thinking that this game would be more than what I knew perfectly well what it was going to be. That's fair. Uh, I played another hour of it, hour of it last night, uh, so I can give a bit of an update on the toy situation because I, of course, got the physical version, uh, and we weren't 100% sure whether Star Fox or the R-Wing would still be available a week later without rescanning. I can confirm that they are still available. Uh, and I know that I won't need to rescan them because one of the other pilots I got called Startail, a weird little monkey creature, uh, he had a countdown timer on his picture when I went in to fiddle around with the, the ship configuration. He had like 24 minutes left and I had the warning like rescan to give yourself more time. So yeah, there's there's no concern if you just want to play with the R-Wing, you can leave the model on your shelf which i'm more than happy to do because it's a really cool model uh and yeah just play with a pro pad no need for that weird grip thing and with the ship attached to it so the other thing was i was just going to give a check-in on dark souls as i i said uh, last week i am new to the first dark souls but not from software's games uh, and i just wanted to give you a quick update on how i'm going i absolutely adore it i'm enjoying it more than i enjoyed dark souls 2 on ps4 uh possibly not as much as bloodborne i think bloodborne's the better game i also think that's the the easiest starting point or easy for these really like obtuse tell you nothing sort of games uh but one area where dark souls really has bloodborne beaten is the soundtrack it is utterly phenomenal and it just, I, I can't think of a another soundtrack that s sort of emphasizes what's going on in the world you're in. Like the world of Dark Souls is, is just like this melancholy, tiring atmosphere. And it sort of really emphasizes the weariness you feel like when you when you get to one of the bonfires and you get to you know you're safe temporarily you just sort of feel this like satisfied weariness and the music really hammers that home uh especially when you make the breakthrough and get past that first section you come to like the main hub which is the firelink shrine it just this the, the way the music rises and just emulates how you feel about what you've just gone through it, it's really good uh i've beaten a couple of the bosses now uh one of them optional uh, i had one last night where i was stuck on it for say two hours uh i'd go through the door and he would just hit me almost immediately uh, and have like companion enemies who were just the ones that were really draining my my health 
And uh, it was one of those situations where I was describing last week where it's just like, come on, man, this is unfair and impossible. And there's no way I can do this. And then just there's just something that clicks and you get it. And it's just the most rewarding thing. I just, yeah, I just can't explain what a great, great feeling that is. You, you, you do feel like you've accomplished and overcome a, an obstacle. Um, have you played any more of this or are we just focusing on Starlink? As some of you know, I do uploads to our YouTube channel where I upload the first hour of gameplay of many of the games that we talk about on the podcast. I did a first hour video of Dark Souls, but that's all I've played of it. But it is on my list. I probably will get to it before the end of the year. Cool. Uh, I'm, I am I know you've had that history of it where you've played it for a night and then didn't really want to go back to it, which is I can completely understand that with the, with the way the game is. Uh, I just... This is one of those situations where I, I really hope it clicks with you like it clicks with me because just the sensory reward that I get from it is just unlike any other game I've played. Um, okay, so let's uh, with that, we'll move on to uh, the Switch news. We, we actually have some this week, but not a lot, but we'll talk about it. Okay, so uh, this morning, actually, Capcom have announced that they're finally bringing the Resident Evil remake, Resident Evil Zero, and Resident Evil 4, the second best game ever made, uh, and they're all coming to Switch in 2019. Uh, I'm I'm happy to get all three. I would have just been happy with Resident Evil 4. Uh, I really hope we get the same control schemes we got for the Revelation series. Are you excited to replay Resident Evil 4 for like the millionth time? Oh yes. It is such a good game. Yeah, it was the it was the first game that drew me out of World of Warcraft, so that should tell you something. <laughs> uh it was also one of those games where I I very much it coincided actually with uh me being injured. I put my back out and had a bout of sciatica and I couldn't walk very well for a couple of weeks and the it, the timing just worked out beautifully i i had no complaints with the pain <laughs> during that that couple of weeks um yeah i'd be interested to see what they do with remake and zero because as we know they're they're still like the fixed camera positions of the the original playstation one eras just just like really high res and made to look really beautiful i wonder what they'll do joycon wise with that or whether they even will bother I can imagine a sort of aiming system would work, but not sure how I envisage that. I've had both of those sat on my PS4 for ages and I've just not got to them. So <laughs> the Switch will be the way. I'll buy them again because I'm an idiot. But <laughs> yeah, really looking forward to those. And I hope they come sort of early ish in 2019 because, oh yeah. Okay, so we're in one of those rare, rare weeks where not even Andrew has played anything new. Uh, so we're just gonna talk about something topical with the uh, the Halloween theme. We're gonna talk about horror games on Switch. Uh, we're just gonna go through with some obvious recommendations. We haven't played all of these, but I know some of these come really highly recommended. So we're gonna start off with one we just mentioned, Resident Evil Revelations. Both one and two are on the Switch. We both played sort of at the turn of last year and and came away with positive views of at least the second one particularly the first the first one's pretty good but it's it's not amazing but the, 
the second one is is pretty fantastic i thought revelations one is good but it is a, an upscaled 3ds game and you can really tell that so yeah revelations 2 just by virtue of the fact that it was made for a more powerful platform it was made specifically to be released episodically on current gen consoles it's it's just a much better game so yeah it's a really good horror game and the raid mode the multiplayer mode which you can play solo i i've mostly played it solo actually is actually the the main selling point of it for me it's basically a horde mode which you can play solo and sends packs of monsters at you zombies and other assorted terrifying creatures you just strap on a gun and shoot them down it's lots of mindless fun cool yeah so uh, be sure to check that out if you're after something horror themed in the next week or so a couple of others i picked up there's um there's one that's coming soon it's a double pack of the yomawari series which is a uh, asian developed survival horror game uh, it's sort of got a, an isometric top-down view. So there's two games. There's uh, Night Alone uh, and Midnight Shadows. And yeah, there's a collection coming to Switch very soon. Uh, this I think it's coming before Halloween, which is why I've got it on the list. Uh, and it's it's meant to be legitimate scary. It's got like a sort of cutesy but dark art style. Uh, and it's sort of just follow so the first one i i've i've looked into because it's one i've definitely wanted to play about a young girl who takes her dog out for a walk and then a there's an accident that nearly kills her and her dog goes missing uh, and then it's basically following about her exploring the street trying to find this dog but then weird things start happening uh, monsters start appearing uh, it looks really interesting uh have you seen this one on the switch door have you heard of it I've seen it, but I don't really know what to make of it. It looks like a, about a girl walking her dog in a dark neighborhood and then monsters show up, maybe? Yeah, okay. Pretty much. okay. Pretty much. Silent Hill, but dogs. Wow, you just... you just Okay, first of all, Silent Hill has a dog in it. It has a very famous dog. Oh, yeah, it does. It does have a dog. You're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, so I've had it recommended to me a couple of times, and there's people who would yell at me if I hadn't at least mentioned it on the show so that's uh, obligation checked uh there's of course the outlast series that's that's on switch uh, i think it's the full trilogy that's available uh this is another one i've been wanting to play but haven't got to so it's it's got that thing where it's set in an asylum and but there's no there's no combat i don't believe you just sort of it's a running away simulator and it's meant to be pretty intense as you you're trying to navigate this this asylum. Have you looked at this one? I haven't played Outlast, but I've played mini games in this style, and I just I get fed up with how you can only run from the monster and that they catch you. It's an instant game over. Uh, like uh, there was one. Shoot, I wish I knew its name. Sub Subnautica or maybe something. It takes place under the sea. It involves brain uploading. They recently put out a patch for it that made it so that way the monster catches you. Actually, I think they made it so the monster isn't in the game at all, basically. And a lot of people were much more favorable to it. Uh, Soma. Soma, yes, that's what it's called, yeah. I I would be interested in playing a game like this if I could turn off the instant kill monsters because I just... 
I just I don't like that mechanic. <laughs> so uh, usually when I see a game like this, I tend to avoid it for that reason. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit in two minds on that because I I feel like not being able to fight back does add a, a level of tension where you feel more helpless. But then you would just sort of get into that rhythm where you just sort of try and run through and it's trial and error and that sort of takes the sheen off off that approach. Uh, another one I mentioned that comes highly recommended is called Detention, uh, which sort of is like a I think it's like a side scrolling horror game about a, a kid who who wakes up in in his school and it's deserted uh, and you walk around and you sort of unpiece the story and it sort of centers on on the character's history of depression and uh their domestic problems sounds really interesting uh seems like it's got a bit of a visual novel element which i know Ginny would probably be all over one to think about uh other ones there's there's layers of fear that i've got free on games of gold but never got to it that looks really interesting actually uh you seen anything about that one not a thing cool we'll move on uh ones that are there's a bunch that aren't particularly scary, but they're they're kind of horror themed. There's Night Terrors, which we're we're both a fan of. Uh, Endless Runner, a gothic Endless Runner. It's very good. Yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> it is very good. It is a very very good game. Uh, then there's uh, Slayway Camp Butcher's Cut, which I remember you enjoyed. Yeah, it's my favorite puzzle game on the Switch. It's uh, where you play as the killer in a slasher film, and you have to kill all the victims on every map and the the gimmick is that you as the killer can only move in straight lines oh okay a bit like michael myers <laughs> yeah i think that's the gag i just read about that today and i was like oh yeah i guess that is kind of a thing that they do in the movies <laughs> but i don't really like slasher movies so i don't yeah. I, that didn't really occur to me and actually i think just today a sequel to it came out a semi sequel to it came out which is actually officially licensed friday the 13th killer puzzle game which the friday the 13th license owners were so impressed by slayaway camp they actually got the developers of it to make an official friday the 13th game which is basically the same thing just with much better graphics oh wow that's that's really neat i like like the sound of that uh of course there's a sleep tight uh, which is one that's definitely on my list to play at some point. Uh, sort of, you play as a an infant in like a scary world and going through the house at night and weird things happen. Uh, I can't remember if you did play this one or not. I think you're thinking of a different game. I, I think... Oh, I'm thinking of Little Nightmares. Yeah, Little Nightmares. I should have put that right. on the list too. That was, that was one I haven't played, so I didn't put it on the list. This is the tower defense yeah, game? Yeah, it's, it's the tower defense game where you play as like a kindergartner and you have to fight off waves of monsters every night. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that sounded interesting. I like the sound of that. Had the terrible audio, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. It really has bad audio. If you play it, uh, turn the character volume knob like all the way down to notch one and even then it's still just a tiny bit too loud <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's what makes it scary uh, oxen free of course deals with uh ghosts and things and on a weird island uh 
I didn't really enjoy that one. Didn't resonate with anyone. Uh, of course, you've used this as an excuse to bring up Darkest Dungeon again. Always. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, gothic. It's scary. I think it absolutely qualifies. Yeah, from what I've heard about it, like the fights are tense. It would be scary. Uh, of course, Dark Souls would would count as a good horror game because it's it's punishing and and just oppressive and terrifying. And everything is a zombie. Yes, and everything is technically undead, even you as the character. That that's you, the character, not Andrew. Although I have my doubts sometimes. I do too. Okay, so uh, that's some Halloween themed recommendations for you. Hopefully, you check those out and. And enjoy them. Let us know what you think on our, our Twitter feed if you decide to play any of those. Uh, now, we've got uh, Ginny, of course, at PAX. Uh, she's recorded a special report for us, so we'll hear about the fun time she's been having there. So, yeah, as you might have heard from Andy above, I have been at PAX Australia um, recently and currently at the time of recording am at PAX Australia. Um, and basically the, the long and short of it is that I have had a chance to check out a lot of games that are coming to the Switch, um, including some classic favorites like obviously the new Smash and Pokemon Let's Go. And I am now perhaps more excited than ever for the games that are scheduled to be out on the Switch in the next little while. So um, in terms of the games that I, I, I thought really sort of stood out to me on the Switch this time or games that are coming to the Switch, I just want to mention, um, of course, Neko Barista. I know I've talked about this game on the show before. But it is a visual novel game uh, set in Melbourne where you play a necromantic barista. So I had the pleasure of being on a panel with um, someone who works on Necrobarista. And um, I, I think the word on the street is that it should be due out for Switch next year. I know that there's going to be a release on other platforms first, probably in the earlier part of the year. But the Switch release shouldn't be too far, far, far behind from that. Um, noting now that we have actually quite a few VNs on the Switch store, um, including that new one, um, the new Yaoi Vampire visual novel extravaganza, which I'm still surprised is being released and not being censored to complete oblivion. Um, that is great. Um, I think that the Switch is definitely like a growing ecosystem for alternative, and I say alternative here in air quotes, um, alternatives to sort of mainstream, I guess, video game genres, and VNs are a really good example um, of those things. So I'm glad to see that, that Necrobarista has come to the Switch. I know that when I probably reported on this last PAX, it was a maybe, now it's a yes. And the Switch really has kind of come a long way. I think that we've seen lots of really, really great indies make it onto the Switch just over in the past year. Things like The Gardens Between and then games like Death Squared, um, where we interviewed Ashley Ringrose earlier on last year. Um, so, and obviously games like Armello, which, um, I loved and recommended on the same show. So I think that we're kind of seeing a resurgence in a little, in a little way, I suppose, of, of games that are going to come out on the Switch that are, are going to be indie darlings or have been indie darlings and are now kind of finding a new indie shaped home. So apart from Necrobarista, 
Um, I got to play some Smash Ultimate, um, courtesy of GameSpot, which was really, really nice of them. And they had me on their Smash panel, which you can check out on, on at the GameSpot website if you are so inclined. Um, and it was great. Um, it really sort of felt like a game that anyone could basically pick up and play. I know it sounds like an awful cliche, but there were a bunch of people of varying experience levels um, on my panel and in the audience. And um, it was just pretty much a seamless pick-up-and-play experience. Um, it worked really, really great with the GameCube controller that was available. It worked really great with the Pro controller that was also available. And, you know, the, the local multiplayer was just was just great. Um, it really, really did seem like the, the, the characters that were available, at least in the demo version that we played, gave a really good sort of variety and a good depth. It wasn't the full roster, Obviously, there are so many, so many characters in the actual game, um, almost too many to count, really. Um, and I think it was something like over 60 characters, uh, representing about maybe 30 different franchises. So a really, really, really large group. Um, and I mean, the demo had characters like Ridley, Inking, um, Inkling, sorry, um, and stuff like that. And obviously classics like Ice Climbers and Kirby. I monopolized Kirby. Uh, apologies to anyone that was on the panel that might be listening to this. I am so sorry. But yeah, no, it was really good. I think it really, really felt like a game that anyone can just jump into. Um, there was pretty much no explanation necessary, even if you were just kind of puzzling it out. It was great. The different stages were very, very varied. We had a lot of screen time with the Breath of the Wild related stages, um, Animal Crossing related stages. Um, and, and I think that overall, the the way that they've changed the smashes now to sort of almost one hit KO type moves... Um, and the very thematically balanced and very thematically focused individual smashes was really great. Um, I think that they, they look amazing. Um, every character's sort of special smash kind of fits them, the ones that we saw anyway. Um, and the items that are used, obviously there are some old classics like the hammer, classics like the smash ball, um, and just everything in the animation just looks so fluid. So I am even more excited now for Smash Ultimate because it looked amazing and it felt great. Um... And I mean, I think I think in terms of people that want a, a nostalgia kick, like I mentioned before, you're able to use your old GameCube controllers um, or Wii U controllers, and you can also use things like the GameCube controller adapter from the Wii U on your Switch in TV mode. And it's just, it feels like it's going to be another jewel in Nintendo's crown of couch co-op games. You know, like we had a great time with Mario Kart 8, we had a great time with Super Mario Party more recently, and obviously we were maybe divided on the show here about Mario Tennis Aces, me especially with my hatred for Toad, but I can't objectively see that Nintendo has really been kind of killing it in the co-op party game arena recently, and Smash Ultimate should really be no exception. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it looks great. Obviously, Isabel is probably one of the highlights uh, for me coming to this new into this new game, but I think that the guys are probably just about as keen on the game as I will be and we did do pretty much 50 episodes of smash predictions well not 50 maybe 25 20 a fair amount of smash predictions for y'all over our run here so um I think that you guys are hyped as well moving on to another game which which I really sort of enjoyed enjoyed my time with um so that would have been Diablo 3, which obviously is going to be the game that I'm going to be playing um, very, very shortly. Um, and the next time that we record, I'm going to have some information about that for you as well. But it was really good to get some kind of hands-on time with that. Um, and it, it handles the way I thought it would. 
obviously as someone who's used to playing on the PC version, I've said before, I am pretty much a ride or die for the PC version. I love it. I have always played it and all my friends play on it. So it's going to be hard to convert me to Switch permanently. Um, but I think the fact that it's single player and that seasons seasonal content will be single player and also not require ridiculous amounts of online connectivity is a good thing. Um, I think that it's sort of an integral part of the game which should be made available to everyone and Nintendo has listened as opposed to fan feedback and done that. Seasonal stuff, I mean people might say, oh you know it's fun to run in teams or like why would you want to do it with mates? Well it's also fun to like figure out builds by yourself and um, I think that the game ran really well um, so I'm pumped to pick it up on my own Switch at home and to play it. Um, obviously the graphic quality is not going to be as good as a PC when you've got everything tuned up to ultra, um, if you're obsessive about PC stats like me, but it is good. It looks good. It handles good. And I just think it's going to be an overall step in the right direction, um, for Blizzard. I mean, we know that Tencent's going to have their mobile on there. I think it's probably feasible that heroes could probably manage the switch or perform decently on the switch. Um, so I think that there's stuff to look forward to. I really hope that Diablo 3 actually does well, judging by the lines at PAX, you know, it was killer. People love the idea of it. Um, a lot of people in the queues that weren't actually Switch owners were quite curious about how it ran and then tried it because of that. So I think that it's a move in the right direction. It's a really big publisher, a really big studio. And if Diablo 3 on the Switch does well, it'll be a really, really great victory for both Blizzard and also for Nintendo. And great for us consumers because we will probably get more content in the future. So that was another game that I thought was really exciting. And obviously Pokemon Let's Go. Um, I don't want to say too much this time um, because we are still a little bit further away from Pokemon Let's Go coming out. Um, Not that far away, but decently far away. And for me, I just want to say personally, it does not feel like glorified Pokemon Go. Um, If that is kind of the impression that you got from the trailers, that it's just glorified Pokemon Go, it does not play that way. Yes, there are Pokemon Go-esque elements. Yes, there are things in there which are drawn directly from Pokemon Go. And yes, obviously there is a large amount of Pokemon Go synchronicity, but that doesn't mean that it's just Pokemon go reskinned for the console. Um, I know that there were also some common misconceptions of people that I spoke to sort of on the floor that were about to try the demo. Um, you can fight other Pokemon. Um, your Pokemon can fight. <laughs> um, you might not fight them to capture them, but they can fight other Pokemon. And I, some people were confused because they were like, oh, okay, well, you know, we're not going to have any battles or anything. No, that's not the case. It's going to have a lot of classic elements from the Pokemon Yell that we know and love in the game. But also, it's just going to adopt its catching mechanisms from Pokemon Go. So for me, as someone that was going to buy it anyway, because A, I love Pokemon, literally slap Pokemon on anything, and I will put down money for it. But I was sort of going into it thinking, oh, you know, it's not going to be as enjoyable. Um, It is not a fully-fledged Pokemon title. I'm just going to put it out there right now. And we've said this before. It is not obviously going to be the same as a mainline Pokemon title, but it is part of Nintendo's sort of category of main Pokemon games. So it's not like Pokemon Snap or Pokemon, you know, XD Gale of Darkness. Like, this is part of the main franchise for Nintendo. So it is not, I repeat, it is not just a reskin of the mobile game. It is a unique experience that I think has been tailored specifically for the Switch. And I think that if you're a Pokemon fan um, and you are on the fence about it, 
Um, maybe wait till we've tried it if you're unsure, but I would recommend giving it a chance. Um, the demo really made me so much more excited for it, and it hit so many of those nostalgia buttons that I love. Just like Smash did, really, for me. And um, I think that you won't be disappointed if you go into it with an open mind and don't kind of typecast the game too early. That's how I, I guess, feel about the major titles that I played at PAX. Um, there was another smaller title, which I want to give a shout-out to as well, alongside Necrobarista, which I've been banging about for ages, um, almost a whole year. Um, the title that I kind of really wanted to talk about was um, a title which which may surprise some of you, um, because it's not the kind of game, I suppose, that I... I cover very often or the kind of game that I really, really talk about. Um, everyone knows that I am not super keen on stuff like Rocket League um, and racing games in general, so it might be a little bit strange that I'm saying this and recommending what is essentially like a racing game. Um, it's Party Crashes. Um, so this is a game that's out on the Switch now. Um, I think it actually released before PAX, but it didn't really sort of grab my attention until I actually was at PAX. Um, so they were part of the Indie Rising, um, exhibition at PAX, um, and basically it is a racing game, um, which is incredibly neon, um, incredibly kind of Tron-esque type aesthetic, and it's basically a racing game whereby you beat up and bash up on other cars, and it's a kind of car combat plus racing. So kind of like Wrecked, but with a very, like, minimalistic neon 90s type aesthetic, um, and it was really fun. Um, I love me a good party game. You know, I live with flatmates, so it is, makes sense to me to enjoy party games and they're kind of the way to, I suppose, uh, make our friendship stronger <laughs> through strife. Um, but no, I really, really, really enjoyed Party Crashes and what I saw of it. Um, it had really, really great local multiplayer um, and, you know, everything is handled amazingly. Um, I'm, as I said, I don't really play racing games often, but... It's a kind of party game whereby there was just enough thrown in there mechanically to keep it interesting. You, know, you can damage other cars, there's destructible environments, there's obstacles. It's just a good fun time and the local co-op is basically seamless. So I really enjoy what I saw of this game and thought I'd give it a shout out because, yeah, it's not my usual genre. So um, that's that. Those are sort of, I suppose, the highlights for me from the PAX floor. Obviously harping on about my great Nintendo experience that I had with them and also with these other smaller games that I saw on the floor as well. Um, shout out to Gardens Between and Armello, which we have bumped before on this podcast, but just seeing them actually on the Switch is just amazing. And I really, really enjoy going to PAX each year because a lot of the small games in the indie section um, are kind of cottoning onto the Switch and seeing it as a kind of game uh, and a home that is viable for indies. Um, so I am really glad that PAX Australia exists and that the ecosystem there is so welcoming to indie games and that the Switch is a console that welcomes indie games too. So that is my PAX report, really. Um, I had a great time there, um, even though I missed um, recording with the guys live. Um, but it was worth it, and it honestly just made me so much more excited for Nintendo's next two products. Um, and I guess you'll hear more about how I feel about Diablo 3 after the next recording. Okay, Andrew, what are you playing in the coming week? Diablo 3 Eternal Edition. Oh, that's out, isn't it? It's out, <laughs> it's out Friday. <laughs> uh, 
Man, I really hope to have my plate clear by the time that came out, but lol. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to be playing Dark Souls. That's that's kind of become my priority. I have played Diablo 3 before, so I know what that's all about. I'm I'm in no rush to replay that, but I will at some stage. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to try sneak in some more Valkyria Chronicles because I've missed that. I, I wish I have been playing that, but I've been playing some other stuff on the side as well, which which has kept me from it. Uh, and I believe Ginny's going to join you in the Diablo 3 playing as well. So yeah, we look forward to hearing both your thoughts and maybe mine if I <laughs> give in and, and give it a go. You will. Uh, next week? I probably will. You will. I've still got Starlink to play as well. Damn it! <laughs> there is no escape. Uh, it's just constant we're just constantly drowning in this sea of enormous games and it's it's as enjoyable as it is maddening i will be playing diablo 3 this week um and probably if i can get to it a little bit of dark souls um most likely diablo 3 just because i've already tried some of it and i can't wait to dive back in and dark souls as we all know i've played before and it is time consuming but yes diablo 3 is on my wish list Thanks for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other other podcast services. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community, or follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. There are links in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can now buy us a coffee, and the details are on our website. Thanks in advance. If you want to follow us individually, Andy is at Flame Roast Toast, Ginny is at Ginny Woes, and I am at Play Critically and streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash playcritically. 